You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. And at long last, gentlemen, we actually have a little football practice to discuss, digest, and uh, turn around to you folks out there, the fine fans of the Indianapolis Colts. I'm Dave Griffiths, joined in here in studio by Joe Hopkins and also Mike Chappell via the uh, virtual um, medium of Skype. So we are all connected here together. And uh, Mike, as I mentioned, at long last, the Colts are connected actually out on the practice field. And you've been out there for a couple couple of days. It's returning to at least a, a semblance of normalcy here during training camp. Yeah, they've been at it for about two weeks with the ramp up and the conditioning and all that and, and a, few, a few days of, of light work. In the last three days, we've been out there full pads, and they've been going out pretty good. Uh, th- the main thing is to make sure they were in football shape. You can only do so much on your own, but they've been going pretty good. It- it's really good to watch these guys actually do what they do. You know, w- with T.Y. Hilton getting out there, he had a rest day, but he's been out there two days. Paris Campbell, we'll go over all this, the running backs in the defensive line, offensive line. So they're finally playing, playing football. I tell you, it's We've been lamenting how how long it's been since we've had much to talk about. September 13th is going to come around pretty quick. So this is a nice build-up to it. No preseason game. So this is our preseason games now. Well, over the next hour, we will run through all the buzz from training camp here from Frank Reich, here from a couple different players. We have a plethora of options this week to deliver to you guys out there. Also, uh, if we get to it, I assume we will. We'll debate the uh, which Colt will make his first Pro Bowl this season. So uh, Joe put a list. We had a couple of different guys over the last few seasons who've made their first Pro Bowl. Darius Leonard last year, Quentin Nelson the year before, Jack Doyle the year before. Uh, so is there another first time Colt to possibly potentially make a Pro Bowl this year? And that that doesn't include someone like a Philip Rivers or a DeForest Buckner, even though they're in their first year with the Colts. I think that uh, we we can't exactly grease the uh, cheating, the verbiage of the uh, of the language of the uh, the question to include those guys. So we'll get well, to I that. Can't, I can't I can't dig Justin Houston. then. No, Justin Houston is not okay. an option either. So okay. uh, we, we but. First year to ever be in a Pro Bowl. Right. Uh, we'll, we'll start off with the, the news around the league and um, our uh, our contractually obligated COVID-19 update as the Seattle Seahawks have announced that they plan to play at least their first three home games with no fans in the stands. And they join a list of teams that's about 10 strong or so, 10, 11 strong. Um, so it, right now, Mike, it's it's a third of the league has announced two and a half or so weeks before the season begins that they're not going to have any fans in the stands. It is creeping ever closer. Like you say, September 13th is getting here before you know it. Um, But right now it is, it is only one third of the teams that have made that official announcement. I don't think any of us would be surprised if more do, or if the NFL puts the kibosh on all of it, but uh, nevertheless, the Seahawks just become the latest team to say, you know what? We can't, we can't make fans work. Yeah, I, I keep thinking that that the league will come out and take it out of the team's hands and, and say, again, competitive balance. Can you imagine, again, we, we mentioned this like last week, can you imagine Dallas having 30,000 in the stands when the Giants visit, and then when Dallas goes to the Giants, there's, you know, nobody? Uh, so so we'll see. But at the same time, we also know that that money that money drives so much. 
and 30,000, 15,000 in the stands it, it isn't pocket change. So we'll see. I think the Colts are going to 20, 25%, which is probably 12,000. I don't know when you start doing the math and take it out the seats for the tarps and all that. So we'll see. It, it, they, they need to make this decision in the next couple of weeks just because. Joe, what's what's odd to me is if, in fact, that the Colts are not allowed to have fans in the stands, at the same time at Lucas Oil Stadium, you'll have the USL soccer team there, Indy 11, with fans in the stands, but the Indianapolis Colts, an NFL team with no fans in the stands. It's just weird. It is weird, and granted, I'm, I'm sure the Colts have drawn a lot more fans than the Indy 11, but... On a normal day, yes. On a normal day. Um, it, I did see the NFL was... I don't think it's official yet, but they were kicking around the idea of having um, like a crowd noise kind of funneled in. Um, like Some teams have gotten in trouble in in the past. They might allow that this year just to make it seem a little bit more normal, kind of like the NBA does in the bubble. They have the fake fan noise, right. so we'll see what happens with all that, but... If I had to guess, I, I, it, it's hard to imagine a future where fans are allowed in Lucas Oil Stadium in the near future. If the NFL sets regulations for fan noise, I mean, teams will absolutely be pushing that limit, Mike. I, I got to think that the, if the NFL says, hey, uh, 105 decibels is as high as you could go, you know, that that's that's going to be really difficult, I think, to to really moderate and really enforce it at a strict level. So I, I think that that it really could potentially add more complication than some teams would like to deal with. I remember back in the day, it's probably been 15 years, whenever the Indiana Firebirds were playing and the, the, the arena, the arena league here in town, I went to a game and, you know, it's one of those 75 to 60 games, but they pipe noise. They pipe noise from the minute you walked in till the end. And you're thinking, please give me a <laughs> break. Well, and, and the Colts were accused I think the Steelers or someone accused the Colts of piping in crowd noise during games. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how you, you – you what's enough's enough. And for TV, are they going to have the cutouts in the stands? Like, you know, I, I don't know what, what they're going to do. Uh, I've got to say, I've watched baseball games, and it is kind of nice to see cutouts in back of when the pitcher is pitching, so at least you see something back there. But I crowd noise that could be a slippery slope. On you're going to have a sound technician from every an independent guy at every stadium to make sure they don't go above. Uh, we'll see how this works. Yeah, just, yeah Bill, uh, Bill Belichick might misinterpret those rules a little bit. Uh, they might be better off just adding this fan noise like through the TV, so only people watching it on TV mm -hmm. hear it and not necessarily in the stadium. Well. Well, we we anticipate that at least uh, being in the media, we will go and we will we will we'll let you know what what's going on, and we'll see. I'm sure it'll be awkward, it'll be weird, it'll be strange, and who knows? Maybe we'll be able to hear a little bit more up in the uh, in the press box than usual, and that that would be interesting for sure. Um, one note before we move on to the training camp buzz from the week, and of course I have to mention it is uh, my, my guy, your guy, and my guy, Cathedral's guy, and Syracuse University's guy, Kendall Coleman, uh, was cut from the squad on Sunday. So I, I am, I am beside myself with sadness this week, Joe, as, as my, my orange is no longer on the roster. Did you, did you pour a 40 out for him? You, you know, I did <laughs> yeah, on, on Sunday evening when, uh, when, uh, the week was about to begin the work week. I, uh, I, had, uh, drowned my sorrows and, uh, and then, uh, and poured one out for, for my friend. So uh, unfortunate for Kendall. Um, but you know, 
I, I hope he can land somewhere. We'll see. I know Robert Mathis certainly believes in him, Mike. And uh, if he's still working with Robert, there, there's no. It, it, this might not be the end for Kendall Coleman in the NFL, but it's certainly a, a setback for for the local kid. Yeah, I feel for these guys, uh, the Kendall Coleman's in this offseason and this in this preseason season because you're at you're at eighty, you're going to cut to fifty three, and then you've got sixteen on the practice squad. In the past, we've seen teams go and get a guy here, a guy there from other teams. And I really think now that when you cut and you bring back the 16, they're going to be your guys that you've had for the most part, because you know, them. you don't have a lot of info on the other guys. So I think it's going to be hard for some of these guys like this to latch on and until maybe injuries pile up. But uh, it, it, again, it, it, it's the environment we're in now. And, and, and I really have concerns for these younger players who may not have a lot of places to go. But fortunately for us, we do have some practice in the can around the NFL, as we have seen clips uh, from multiple teams in pads around the league this week began officially uh, on August 17th, as teams were first allowed to break out those pads for the year, the Colts among them. So they've had a couple of days of padded practice. Um, this Thursday, as we filmed this podcast, it was a, uh, an off day as Frank Reich was discussing, uh, during his time with the media, you know, you have four days on one day off, four days on one day off. That's kind of the schedule you're on right now. And, uh, and as Mike mentioned, they, they, they turned it up and that's something that that coach told us a couple weeks ago saying that, Hey, we had a ramp up period. It was built into the schedule. There, there's no there's no slowing down once these pads are finally on uh, September 13th is coming up that week. One game in Jacksonville is right around the corner. So guys have not hit all summer. They need to hit. They need to get hit. They need to get used to it. And um, they need to get used to some new players being in new places with new teams, with new teammates like Philip Rivers is here with the Colts. And we spoke with Philip Rivers earlier this week um, from our training camp sound vault we will say we're going to go with a bunch of players this week, but we'll start off a little bit with Philip Rivers about uh, just the start with tr- this start to training camp and uh, getting used to uh, some of his new teammates. Uh, you know, it's going really good. I, I think, um, you know, looking back to some of the some of the time spent in June, I think it was helpful. Um, uh, you know, we we had a, we had a two or three day deal where we all got together in June as well. In addition to you know trying to sprinkle in with some guys that were in town here. Um, yeah, then the week or two before camp, we got a little bit in. So just some of that communication that talk, just talked through certain things about routes that, hey, I just feel this, and then I may throw it here. And, you know, the, the things you can't really do in a phone call or in a Zoom meeting, it's better off standing on the practice field or watching on film. So it's coming it's coming along great. I, this group is, uh, you know, one big advantage, I don't know if advantage is the word, one big help has been that, you know, with Nick here, and then with him being in San Diego as a receiver coach, the techniques and the, the, the way we run routes are the same that I've been used to now since 2013. So that, that is very helpful that I can I know how the route and, and what has been taught here. So we're not speaking any different language. It's not, oh, I like it this way. And, and you know, the team here in the past has done it another way. We've, we see it the same way. So that's certainly been, been helpful. But I think it depends. I think it's game situation. I think it's uh, both situation down the distance. It's both what's uh, what's the score, where are we in the game, what kind of game is it? Is it a game where you feel like you're going to need 35, or is it a game where, shoot, our defense is rolling, 
and um, you know, I, you know, throw the check down and let you know let some of our backs go get it. And if they don't, we'll punt it and pin them down in there and make them go 90. So I think all those things factor in. But uh, I certainly uh, feel confident um, in throwing the ball in tight windows or throwing the ball in tight coverage uh, and being accurate where it's our ball or no or nobody. Uh, our, you know, so. Um, Certainly had some throws get away from me in the past, really just last year more than anything. So, but I don't want that to turn me into someone that's scared to make a play because I don't think you can play that way either. So I think there's a, uh, there's a fine line there between aggressive and, uh, and stupid. And um, as long as we keep it right there in, in the right kind of, there's a certain uh, window to keep it in, then I think we'll be in good shape. I know we can, we can go through all those interceptions from last year and we can, uh, I'm responsible for every one of them. They came out of my hand, but every interception has a story. And then uh, we can also watch every snap from last year, and 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 I think we'll we'll come out of there feeling uh, optimistic that uh, we can have a heck of a year this year, which uh, um, I know we can. So it's just a matter of going to do it one day at a time. And again, I think the biggest thing for me is good be, be myself, uh, but but also um, find that find that sweet spot again from from aggressiveness and stupid and. Um, you know, know know what kind of game it's it, game it, it is, and how the whole thing's coming together. And uh, certainly have done that throughout my career in different years and different times, and uh, don't see any reason why I can't do that again. So Philip Rivers, uh, getting used to these new receivers, Mike. Obviously, being in one place for 16 years, you kind of uh, develop and uh, certainly develop relationships with guys like he had with Antonio Gates forever. They could have predicted what each other were going to do. But now that task falls to uh, what he can do with other guys like like a T.Y. Hilton, like a Jack Doyle. Um, so that that's that's one hurdle that he is clearing right now and finally being able to do it in a consistent training camp setting. Yeah, you always you always go back to the clip on Alan Iverson practice. We're talking practice. But yeah, we're talking practice. Hey, that's fine. Yeah. And for these guys, that's that's important. Maybe if it's Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton or if it's Peyton and Reggie and Marvin, they've got that bank to go back to to what they've done. But right now they're sort of on a crash course with, with these guys because Phillip hasn't worked with these guys that much. A couple times in June and and then recently in T.Y.'s missed a day with, with a maintenance day, every rep is, is vital, is, is critical. And they can, you know, he talked, Philip Rivers talked about in that clip about how the terminology is sort of the same, the routes are the same. But what you need to find out is, is what, are, what are T.Y.'s nuances on running a route? Does he break it off? Does he do this? Because T.Y.'s got his own way of doing things. And the only way to, to get used to that is reps and in games. That's where we're going to see the, the loss of preseason games to where you won't have that you know, full speed pe- people coming at you time to, to adapt, but they'll make the most of this. Unfortunately for, uh, for Colts fans, it appears that the uh, rivers to Hilton connection has, uh, has not been sh- like, it's been built up a little bit already. It's, it's producing already. And that's what uh, head coach Frank Reich has to say. Here is coach uh, describing how those two have been able to sync up early in practice. I mean, I think, I think it's still early in the process, but yesterday was a good day. I think they got to throw a couple times before we started. So, you know, when you're throwing, you got two guys who are instinctive and smart football players. It's not going to take them long to connect. Um, and you could see that already. Um, Philip T.Y.'s body language is so easy to read. He's so smart and understanding. 
and understanding leverage and understanding spacing and also understanding timing. There was a play yesterday, you know, where T.Y. got held up a little bit on his release, and so he wasn't able to get the full route, but he knew exactly the spot to get to at the right time to be on the quarterback's time. Nice long completion. So examples like that will keep showing up, I'm sure, during camp. That was Colts head coach Frank Reich about that Philip Rivers and T.Y. Hilton relationship. It, it's one that will grow for sure with time. But, uh, Joe, you, you get two guys, two Pro Bowl guys who have been in the league a long time. You, you figure that it's it's not it's not the biggest hurdle to overcome, but it is something that uh, can can be um, can be can marinate a little bit and even get better with a bit of work. Yeah, T.Y. Hilton's, you know, a, a veteran wide receiver. He's a wide receiver who's at the point in his career now where he knows how things are supposed to be done for the most part. He's worked with a smart quarterback before and Andrew Luck. He, he knows where to be at the right time, um, when to get his head around. So I would expect the learning curve for Rivers and Hilton uh, to happen a little quicker than a Paris Campbell or a Michael Pittman Jr., those guys. We did. Uh, I, I'll, I'll touch real quick back on something that Rivers said. I know we heard we just heard from Frank Reich, but uh, uh, it, it just made me think when Rivers uh, Mike was talking about the uh, the kind of fine line you have to balance between being aggressive and being stupid. It just reminded me of of Andrew Luck, uh, kind of a line between being aggressive and being a bonehead play. You know that 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 just came right into my head when I when I heard Philip Rivers talking about that. And th- those two guys, they they both have a bit. Of that, uh, we we talk about it being a gunslinger mentality, but it, it's just just an aggression they both have. You know, they're probably going to throw some interceptions on the year, and that's uh, I think many Colts fans will be excited for a little aggression after what they saw on the field last year when uh, Jacob Brissett was um, was I, I think uh, criticized is a fair word for uh, for maybe not pushing it down the field quite as often as people would have liked. And I think that's simply the makeup of the two quarterbacks. You've got one that, that for 16 years, that's what he's done. He's been a risk taker. And he sort of in, indicated when we talked to him this week that, you know, last year it got away from him a little bit. And he, and he took some, he made, he said that some throws got away from him. He said every interception has got a story. But, uh, and like Frank Reich told us a while ago, 20 is too many. And we've talked here, I think this team would love 25 touchdowns and 13, 14 interceptions. Uh, you you just can't spray the ball in turnovers. It, it's again, it is the biggest indicator of winning. And I, I do think that with the way this team's built, that there will be times that he has to make that play that tight throw. But so much of things go go right. You're going to have the running game. You're going to have enough guys to work with in the passing game that those times when you just have to take that risk are going to be less. You hope you're not down 14 points in the fourth quarter. When this happens, so uh, again, I, I, I hope hopefully he's learned his lesson. But it, it's kind of refreshing to hear a guy say, you know, walk that line between aggression and stupidity because some quarterbacks won't won't admit that they won't admit that. Hey, he said, hey, those those were on me. They came out of my hand. Not all quarterbacks say that. Yeah, and and to your point about you know not having to be in that situation where he has to force things at, as much. If you guys don't mind, I did a little digging here on Philip Rivers, and all three of his 20-plus interception seasons came in three of his top four heaviest pass attempt years. Um, I kind of broke it down, and the fine line seems to be about 550 pass attempts, 
Um, his six seasons where he has 570 or more, he averages 17 picks a year. Or his six seasons where he's 554 passes or fewer, that uh, interception total is down near a little under 12. Um, so I think a lot of it, and then I broke it down even further, in those seasons where he was more pass-heavy, um, directly correlated with seasons where the team wasn't as good. Um, his top six pass-heavy seasons, 5-11, and 9-7, and 5-11, and 4-12, and 9-7, and 8-8. Eight eight. His uh, six seasons with 400 or 544 pass attempts or uh, fewer, he had, the team was 12-4, and 9-7, and 7-9, seven, seven and 9-7, and 13-3, and three and 8-8. Eight and eight. So when the team is doing much better, Phillip Rivers has to pass less, which just, is just common football sense. When you're down, you got to throw more. But I, I was really able to dig and find some numbers here that kind of correlated with what we were talking about. Phillip Rivers is a better quarterback when he doesn't have to throw as often. And, and making that uh, a, a game at a time type of uh, a deal, like when you're talking about 550 pass attempts per year, per year, that's about 34, 35 pass attempts per game. So if you're throwing up at the other upper end of 35 to 40 times every game, that that's not the best recipe for success. If you go between 25 and 35 attempts per game, that's perhaps a little bit more. You're controlling the ball a little bit more. You're controlling the clock. You're probably controlling the field position battle there as well. Um, and, and this is like, like you said, this is not some ra- thing that, uh, oh, Philip Rivers is, is the sole per- person that that's like this uh, around the league that this is, this is something that, um, teams around the league will try to do, but 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 you're completely right. You don't want to put everything on Philip Rivers, Mike, and, and make him carry the team. You want him to be able to get things to other playmakers and let them really do most of the work. I was surprised. I also did some homework. Joe's not the only one that does homework. Oh, hey, yeah. The, 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 the Colts had the seventh uh, number seven ranked run game last last year. Right. The last time Philip Rivers had a top seven run game was in 2007. So, so it's, it's, he, he's not, even, even with some of the name running backs he's had there, they've never had that running game that he can rely on. So I think he's really going to enjoy, he said, what quarterback wouldn't want this? Mm-hmm. You've got arguably, arguably the best offensive line. You've got a running attack that they ran 2,100 yards last year and, and they, they add Jonathan Taylor. I mean, so, so how will it not be better? Not just carry or not just per carry but by by total yardage so this is one where they need him to do his job and there were times last year we hate to keep piling on there were times last year that Brissett simply didn't make the plays they need to have this guy make those plays when the time comes and if there's if there's 10 of those critical instances he needs to make them seven times just so he can do his job and then let everybody else around him do their job one of those guys that Colts uh, fans and the Colts brass will hope uh, steps into more of a playmaking role to help Philip Rivers in that aspect would be Paris Campbell, the second-year wide receiver out of Ohio State. Uh, had an injury-plagued first year, but uh, has, has had a pretty good training camp so far. Mike, we'll get to what you think about him in a second since you've been out there, but uh, Philip Rivers has been pretty happy with uh, what he's seen out of Paris Campbell, so here's Rivers with, with his thoughts on, on Paris so far. He is explosive. He is he is explosive. He can really run, and he's a strong he's a strong man. So um, uh, he shoot the sky's the limit for him. You know, I think the biggest thing you know really is that you know, and and you can see it. He really wants to do everything right, and he really cares a heck of a lot. And that, and that's one thing you can't you can't uh, coach people how to care 
uh, I'm not saying referring to me coach, but us coach and you can't, you can't sway someone to care more. Either do or they don't. I feel like we got a, a locker room that cares a heck of a lot, and that's important. And, and Paris is one of those guys as well. So I think you said it. He didn't. He didn't play a ton last year, so he's really almost a first-year player in, in that sense. But yet he's been in here. He's been coached very well, and he's worked at it, and he's super talented. So um, he's he's off to a heck of a start as well. This training camp, and um, you know, I think he has the potential to be a big play guy. Uh, but at the same time. He has uh, he's strong and strong hands and all those things that he can he can do all those things uh, in the intermediate and underneath stuff as well. So um, he's going to be a big a big a big part of the the offense moving forward. That was Colts quarterback Philip Rivers talking a little bit on Paris Campbell. Mike, you've seen him in person. Uh, I, I've I've seen just on Twitter. I haven't been able to make it out there yet. Uh, some people have been impressive uh, impressed with him. I saw. Just one post that, like, he dropped a 20- or 30-yard pass one time. Somebody tweeted that out. So, I mean, it's not perfect, but you can't demand both perfection and growth at the same time. And people want to see growth out of Paris Campbell this year. What what have you seen from him in camp so far? Yeah, on that one clip, we also had Philip Rivers through a stupid interception uh, the other day. That's what what practice is for. But, yeah, you, you just hope that he can stay healthy and do what they know he can do. Work out of the slot, be that yards after the catch guy. Last year, I'm trying to keep in mind what he had three surgeries. Training camp, I believe, was a hamstring. Then he had a hand. He had a hernia surgery. He had a broken foot. This guy couldn't he, he couldn't stay on the field, and, and he hadn't had injuries up until then. So this is if, – if there's a key player on offense, it's T.Y. It is. But then you really need this kid stay on the field and be that – that uh, the the big play guy in the slot to where he's got the size and the speed. I I would like to see a big breakout season, and we can argue whatever breakout season is number wise. I don't know. It's more, it's going to be more quality over quantity, I think. But this is the guy they really need to step up this year and be what they thought he was last year. Yeah, Joe. I think for Paris, uh, I, like like Mike said, quality over quantity. And th- there's going to be a lot of balls going around to a lot of different guys. But if you're Paris Campbell, if you can get, I think between, I would say between five and ten, uh, like big chunk plays this year, probably you you would hope closer to ten, uh, like twenty yards plus, twenty five yards plus. I, I think that would probably be what what he would want, what the Colts would want. And uh, what what the fans would hope to see from a guy that that has his type of reputation. Yeah, they they seem to try and use him in that maybe like a not the best example, but like a young Percy Harvin role where they just trying to get the ball in his hands and let him go. Um, I saw a report. I forget who it came from that. He was um, doing some practice with punt returns. So get the ball in his hand in that nature. As That's well. Naheem Hines job right now. I, yes, I, it I, is. I, Hard to believe that anybody else will be back there, at least at the start of the season. If 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 Hines goes back there and fumbles three punts in, in Jacksonville, then sure, it's up in the air again. But. Hines's job to lose, we could put right. it that way. Yes. Um, but Paris Campbell's a pretty good number too if he can hold on to the ball. Um, just any way you can get the ball in this guy's hands, um, and he can stay healthy would be a big boost to this team. Let alone him developing into a fully uh, uh, rounded receiver. On the other side of the ball, Malik Hooker, we've discussed uh, the young safety all throughout the summer, mostly in the fact that uh, the Colts declined his fifth year option. So after this year, Hooker will be a free agent able to uh, go around and uh, see where he wants to play, really see what offers he gets, whether it's here with the Colts or elsewhere. And this week, for the first time, we spoke with Malik Hooker. 
Uh, of course, his contract came up, but also just talking about what he expects of himself this year, what he expects of the defense this year. So let's listen to uh, Colts safety Malik Hooker. I mean, I mean, of course, there's kind of, you know, a, a reaction to it. But for me, I mean, it's uh, more so controlling what I can control. I mean, that's out of my hands. All I can do is just look forward to the future and go out this year, have a great year. I mean, I really wouldn't say disappointment. I mean, it was more so uh, like a motivation call for me. Just I got to go out there and prove myself type of thing. That's what I feel like it is. It's more so them just me having to show the consistency that I've had for the majority of last year and just show more often. I feel like that's all it is. Uh, I'll say the, the most thing that I have to build off right now is just being consistent. You know, I went probably seven, eight weeks last year at having great games and then a few games where it was just okay games. So it's just be more consistent there. Also, uh, obviously, just you know, create more turnovers, find a way to take turnovers. They ain't got to necessarily be interceptions or nothing like that, but trying to get more fumbles this year, forced fumbles this year, and you know, just trying to be that vet out there that can lead vocally. You know, getting everybody lined up faster, staying stuff faster, communicating it to the you know the front guys. I can't see it from the birds. I view like I can. Obviously, I love Indianapolis. You know, it's, it's like a home for me now. At this point, I've been here for four years, going now. Uh, the city's great, you know. Obviously, the organization's great, things like that. So yeah, that's definitely the plan for me. Yeah, I feel like uh, this is actually my first one, like actually fully healthy, doing you no know, full workouts, having my own time to work out on my own, and things like that. It's my first actual uh, first healthy offseason, <laughs> and it feels great. You know, I'm moving fine. I'm obviously up to tempo with the plays and stuff like that. Even stuff that we we just started installing and things like that. I mean, I'm, I, I can't complain. I'm how mentally physically, emotionally, and just ready to get out there and play ball. I feel like I played, I feel like I played probably like a B-plus last year. I feel that because I, I did a lot of things. Normally, you see me in the post a lot. Last year, I played in the box a lot in a couple games and made a lot of plays down in the box. I showed I was capable of tackling and open field and stuff like that that a lot of people didn't feel like I can do. Uh, obviously, on the back end, I made a couple plays and games last year on the back end where I had two interceptions or something like that. So. I mean, now it's just about this year, putting it all together, having a couple more interceptions and making those plays in the box as well with it. You know, that's all it's about this year, putting it all together. That was cold safety Malik Hooker. And Joe, Mike, you guys know how much I love good safety play. I talk about it seemingly every week here. And uh, I, I, I've, I, I really enjoy Malik Hooker and watching him succeed because he's he is one of the most athletic players uh, that – the Colts certainly have, and uh, Philip Rivers <laughs> saw it in person uh, last year, and he's talked about that even since coming here this week. So did Malik, just that that interception he had against him week one. So the highlight reel plays are there, Mike. You want to see more consistency from Malik Hooker if he has a chance to land in Indianapolis after this season. Yeah, I went back. I did a story on Malik after we talked to him. Was it yesterday or the day before? Right. And I went back and looked at that interception against the Chargers, and it was just simply amazing. It, it was after the game, uh, Rivers said, yeah, I, I saw him. He said, I, I didn't think he could get there. And that just shows you Hooker's range. He's 6'1", 214. He's a, this is a big kid. What you need is consistency. And, and if there was an overriding reason that the team did not get exercise, it was injuries. He's missed, I think, uh, is it 13 or 14 games in three seasons? And he's and he's been limited in, in, in other times. He, he's generally on the injury report. 
And you have to take that into account when you're going to invest 11, 12, 13 million dollars a year in, in a player. But one thing to keep in mind is he's 20. He's like Marlon Mack. He's 24. So he's going into that into that fourth year and he's, he's 24 years old. And he sort of, I guess, teases you with with the, the, the great plays and you just want more consistency. Whether or not this defense is going to allow him to be that center fielder that he seems to be so comfortable with, I don't know. But uh, he's, we asked him what his reaction was. Was he disappointed? He said, well, I know it was, what do you call it, a motivational tool or whatever, mm-hmm. motivational call. You know he was PO'd. You, you just know he was. Uh, these guys uh, understand what goes on, and the only thing you can take away from not getting that fifth year is that, again, they want more from you or they want the, the, the health from you. They've got four or five guys this year that you talk about being motivated, and he's near the top of the list. And Joe, Mike mentioned kind of the role that Malik Hooker plays in this defense, and uh, it seems like that center field role is what suits him best, and that's what uh, scouts said coming out of college. But Malik even mentioned in his interview this week, they the Colts had him playing a little bit more in the box last year, and that's something he wants to show them that he can continue to do this year. He pointed out, like, when people at, when he was asked what he wants to do, uh, he, he mentioned, like, forcing fumbles. Even before he mentioned interceptions, was forcing fumbles. So he wants to get in there. He needs to stick his nose in there, hopefully cause a couple of turnovers, and that could turn a few heads. Yeah, he should uh, talk to Darius Leonard about how he just punches that ball out. That's true. Um, no, th- Malik... Malik's odd one because the Colts definitely declined his option for a reason. But it, it, say everything goes great for him, he stays healthy and has a Pro Bowl season, four or five interceptions, and plays really well. What are the odds that the Colts bring him back after declining his option with so many other players in need of new contracts this season? I think that depends on what Julian Blackman does this year. But Mike, I don't know if you have any separate thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean they, they've taken steps to to, to move on, right? Kari uh, Willis last year and Blackman, and I tell you, Blackman's on pup right now. He's out there walking around. You want to talk about another imposing player, big big player. But but you take these guys early. I think Willis was a four. You take these guys with the idea that that to, to perhaps be a starter. If they were just lock sold on Malik Hooker, maybe they don't take Blackman. I don't know. But fifty uh, fifty, he would have to just have that out season for them to invest 11 12 million dollars because like we've talked about you've got i, I would list him fourth or fifth maybe on, on if, players i would need to have brought back here and then to that point if he does have such a good season he might command so much money that the colts feel uncomfortable giving that right. to him so either way the more i look at it either way it just seems unlikely that he comes back which is sad to say because like you said dave he can be an exciting player that teases you and you hope he puts it all together another player colts fans will hope to see in with the horseshoe on his helmet for a long time is center ryan kelly his fifth year option was picked up by the franchise and he's playing under that uh mike he's playing under that this year right Correct. Uh, yeah that uh, i was like 98 percent sure yes. but but and now that uh, the onus falls on his agent and Chris Ballard to work on a deal for the future. I think everyone on this podcast and likely everyone listening to this podcast thinks they're going to get something done eventually. But uh, nevertheless, that's something that uh, that will have to actually get done. You can talk about it forever, but uh, 
He had his first Pro Bowl last year. He's anchoring one of the best offensive lines in football. It's not going to be a small number for sure when uh, when they put it together in terms of both years and money. Let's listen to what Ryan Kelly had to say this first week of training camp. Uh, you know, I've talked to my agent a few times. Uh, I know he's been in contact with the Colts, and so just trying to focus my mind on on doing uh, on doing training camp. I think the, I'm hopeful that it'll happen soon, um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we you know here 14 hours a day, so I pretty much got enough on my plate. But just you know, leaving my agent Jimmy Sexton up to that one. I know he's uh, he's incredible at what he does, and so I hope he gets it worked out. I mean, I, I can't say I wouldn't think about it. You know, um, it's it's your future. It's what you know what you're tied under. <laughs> uh, you know what you're going to be making, and then how many years you're going to be there. So, uh, but <clears throat> you know, it, it's a, it's such a weird off season. You know, it, it's already August 17th right now, and we have a game you know, in basically 30 days, maybe even less than that. Um, and so this, today being the first day we're being able to be in pads, um, you know, after just an hour and a half on practices, I know how much better I have to be tomorrow, the day after that, the day after that. And so I have a lot of improving to do on myself. And so as much as we have 12, 14 hour days, and it seems like there's a lot of time to get improvement. Um, there's not, there's a lot of meeting time, a lot of stuff physically you have to get done. And so I'm going to be busy doing that, you know, for the next, 10 hours, you know, whatever it is the rest of the day. So uh, that's, that's where I dedicate all my time to, you know, whatever happens outside of that, um, I can control that in the way home or whatever it is. But uh, when I'm here, you know, I'm working on this body, making sure that I can, you know, play the season, play well, um, help my team, you know, to the best of my ability and do my job. That was Colts center Ryan Kelly and uh, Mike, even though Quentin Nelson gets uh, a whole lot of the praise, deservedly so on the offensive line, uh, Ryan Kelly at center has, it has certainly earned the coach's admiration over the years saying that he is one of the best uh, offensive line, one of the best centers, if not the best center in football. And he was honored last year with the pro bowl uh, Colts fans should expect to see him there for a long time. And uh, hopefully that deal gets done uh, sooner rather than later. I would guess. I, I just get the feeling it'll get done before the season starts because it, it's going to be, you know, if he's the top paid center in the league, which, he might be because that's the way these contracts work. It's 11 or $12 million a year. And then you get into guaranteed money and all that. But go back to the, the heydays of the 2000s and you had the stability at quarterback and center with Jeff Saturday and Peyton Manning. Now, we don't have the st stability at quarterback any longer, but uh, you're right. It's, we've had this discussion, too. I, I think he's just an invaluable player because I don't know who replaces him, who's the backup. Uh, I still say my my most indispensable lineman is Costanzo because, uh, and I don't know if I'd put Kelly second or Nelson second. I don't know, but to get this guy down, he's again he's he's going into his fifth year. He's still a relatively young player. These guys can play for a long time. They really can. And maybe most important last year is he played all sixteen games, and he had missed a couple of games here and there. So I think this thing gets done before the season starts. He's Mike Chappell putting perhaps Ryan Kelly above Quentin Nelson in indispensable Colts. You, you hate guards like Joe hates running backs. <laughs> I, just, I, I, I I go back to when Howard Mudd, God bless his soul, they just basically told him, put a guard in there and just just put a slap whatever in there and we can get by with it. So I'm st I can't get past that. But uh, yeah, okay, Quentin Nelson's two and Ryan Kelly's three, but in my heart I'm thinking it's the other way around.
Well, Joe also hates Adam Vinatieri, so we will use that to transition and on Marla, to our and Marla Mack. Yes, very much so. Our discussion on kickers, as there is a kicking competition here in India for the first time in a long time since uh, the Mike Vanderjad, Kerry Blanchard days back in the uh, the nineties. So, uh, will it be Chase McLaughlin? Will it be Rodrigo Blankenship? Let's listen to what Frank Reich had to say about that competition this week. Um, you know, everything everything will weigh into it. Uh, including Chase's experience, every kick that's charted, um, you know, every aspect of that charting, you know, the accuracy, you know, of those kicks, not just the ones that are good and not good, but even the the accuracy, uh, you know, of a good one, you know, how good was it? It's kind of like a quarterback, you know, you can have two completions and they look completely different. You know, one is, you know, one is uh, you got quarterback hits a guy right in stride as opposed to throwing it behind him. And, you know, when you're after enough kicks, it's kind of the same thing. When a guy keeps hitting them straight down the middle, straight down the middle, that, that kind of stuff gets noticed if, if that happens. So, um, and then we're trying to do some unique things, you know, a little bit different than we've done in the past, where typically we would always have all of our kicking in one period. And we're, we're spreading out the kicking over a couple periods. So, you know, we'll kick some early. And then we'll kick some at the end of a couple team periods and try to create some game-like situations. You know, without the preseason games, you know, we've tried to put a little bit more emphasis really on the competition between the two of them, you know, to try to put as much pressure as we can. I mean, kickers, the kickers I've been around that are good kickers like these two guys, they love the pressure. So um, how can we amp that up in a practice setting to get those game-like reps? And that's what we're trying to do. That was Colts head coach Frank Reich talking about the kicking competition at Colts camp. And Mike, I don't know about you, but this was, of course, our first time hearing from Rodrigo Blankenship. I was really impressed with the guy. He is very well spoken. He seems very well put together for a rookie. I I can't speak too much to his uh, his confidence demeanor, but I I was just impressed with the way he he showed he, he represented himself. So I think Chase was great last year in the time that we had with him, the limited time. But like these are both guys that, that are that are good to deal with, which, as you know, in the media, that, that's always nice to have to have a kicker who is uh, who is able to, to talk with you and able to kind of outline some uh, some things uh, that uh, that need to be outlined when, when it comes to the kicking game. So that that, that was my first impression that 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 I kind of like the guy. So either way they go, it, it's a guy that we can we can deal with there. It's funny, whenever we talk to Frank about this, somebody always says, well, I would assume that Chase's experience is going to be giving him like a leg up. This guy, last year, he was, a, he was a rookie, and he played with five teams. So so the, the, to me, this is the position that will, will most uh, be hurt by no preseason games. Because as much as they try to do with pressure – in practices, you know, if, if one kicker loses a competition, his players have to run a couple of sprints. It's not the same as getting out there in the fourth quarter. I don't care if it's the last preseason game or the first preseason game. To kick in a game with something on the line other than win sprints, I, uh, I, would, I would default to Chase McLaughlin only because he has done it in a game he's done it with things on the line do you really want the opener to have a rookie out there and in the fourth quarter he's kicking a 39 yarder to send you home a winner or a loser i i 
I think Blankenship would really have to be the much better kicker. And from what we've seen, they both each day they miss like one. But I've noticed that that McLaughlin sort of has more zip on the ball. There's more accuracy. I mean, like Frank said, you know, all all completions and, and, and field goals aren't the same. You can tell how guys kick it. McLaughlin looks just a little finer at what he's doing. But we've still got two and a half weeks to worry about that. Yeah, Joe, your boy Hot Rod. Listen, you got a name like Rodrigo Blankenship. I'm going to root for you. Darn right. You got the spectacles on. He's got the Hot Rod nicknames. You could call him Specs. I mean, uh, I'm just rooting for the guy because he, he's a fun guy to root for. Whereas Chase, if he's a great kicker, awesome. But he, he's a little more boring from the exterior, yeah, if we'll, I'm being honest. We'll take the uh, with the ball going through the uprights you know, oh, yeah. more, more often. than I'll uh, take that over the cool name. Right, but. of course. <laughs> so a couple quick other takeaways from camp that we'll, uh, we'll move on. Uh, Jonathan Taylor has uh, certainly turned some head. There's a viral video out there of him basically running over Tavon Wilson. Poor Tavon Wilson got in the way. That was impressive. Matra. It that was, was impressive. Yes. And uh, the Colts fans will hope to see that quite a bit more. Uh, Taylor, Michael Pittman Jr., we've seen them uh, not just working with the backups. You know, you get play if you, and geez, with with no preseason games and the regular season just two weeks away, Joe, you, you figure you better get a little bit of work with the starting unit. Yeah, they're, they're throwing them right in there and they'll either sink or swim. Um, but I think both of these players are well prepared to um, perform reasonably well at the beginning. I think. It's, it'll be easier for Taylor to hit the ground running than Pittman, who has a lot of more, a um, few more things to learn as a yes, wide receiver. Sure. Uh, but I'm excited to see both these rookies. And Colts head coach Frank Oreck has also said Tyquan Lewis has looked exceptionally good out there. And Mike, as we've said before on this podcast, he needs to look exceptionally good if he wants to not even just stick with the Colts, but stick in the NFL after this season. Yeah, he gives you that versatility of playing tackle and end. And but he he came in he's come in with a purpose he realizes he understands uh, what's at stake and he he was very very introspective and we talked to him that he yes he worked on getting his body in shape but he really talked about working on the mental aspect of his game I get the impression that he really had confidence problems the last two years you 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 hate to look at body language in a locker room because it can steer you wrong but. When you watch that guy walk through the locker room the last few years, th- there was just something missing. You know, he was hurt. He was a healthy scratch a couple times last year. So I think he really worked on he- he- getting his head straight. So I- I- if he's what they thought they were, he was two years ago, they've got a really motivated player this year. Now some injury updates before we get to our uh, little debate at the end of the show. Cornerback uh, Kenny Moore will probably miss about a week or maybe a little bit more with a strained groin. Uh, certainly do not want to see Kenny Moore miss any time in the regular season. So take your time with a little soft tissue injury. Uh, no, no sense in pushing him back before he's needed to. Uh, Sheldon Day is out for a bit with a knee injury, which when I was listening to Frank Reich talk about that, I don't know, man. I didn't get a really good vibe from from coach about what that injury is. He was very uh, dismissive. He just kind of pushed it aside. He didn't really give too many uh, details. I I just got the sense that that could be something that lingers around for a while. And uh, Braden Smith, offensive tackle, missed a couple of days with a foot injury. Uh, The good news is Trey Burton is out on the field practicing. He had an offseason surgery to repair a labrum injury in his hip. But um, that's that's the deal so far, Mike. Uh, Any of those injuries really stick out to you as something that's important to watch for the next couple weeks? Yeah, Kenny Moore bothers me. 
Yeah. Uh, w- w- when you're going to miss at least a week, and th- that means the rest of, you know, our training camp that we get to watch. And those things, if you, if you don't get them right, they, they just linger. So they're, they're, we probably, the media probably won't see them at practice in, in this next whatever we got, 10 days or whatever it is. But other than that, Braden Smith is out with a foot. He's been out watching practice. So if it was really something ultra serious, he wouldn't be out there putting weight on it. Uh, but again, he's missing time. He, he's missing time. And, we, and that kind of brings us to the Raven Clark has been the backup tackle over there because then Chaz Green's been out. So, uh, but yeah, the, the one that bothers me the most of all of them, yes, Sheldon Day, when, whenever you're going to be out a bit, that, that's a pretty, that, that's pretty, you know. Uh, it's too generic for me. It's just too correct. generic. Correct. But, but Kenny Moore, uh, if he misses time, uh, that, that's, a, we saw that last, in December last year, uh, but they're going to treat him with kid gloves until they're ready to play. So now we'll do, uh, we'll move on to our uh, discussion of the week. Which Colts player will make his first Pro Bowl this year, and why do you think so? So uh, a couple players over the last couple years have earned their first Pro Bowl nods, including uh, Ryan Kelly, Darius Leonard last year, uh, Quentin Nelson before that, Jack Doyle before that. Um, Joe and Mike, I'll let you guys go first. I'll give my I'll give my take third. But uh, Joe, I'm going to start with you. This was your idea. So uh, from the Colts who you who are on the roster, we know you're not going to say Marlon Mack, obviously. But uh, which Colt do you think will uh, will make the Pro Bowl for the first time in 2020? I got to go with Kenny Moore as long as he can get that groin right and stay healthy. I mean, the guy went on the field has been an absolute baller. If you know, last year he had what? Two and a half sacks and two interceptions, and that's with missing a handful of games uh, towards the end of the season. You know, the year before, three interceptions, one and a half sack. I think it's completely within reason that he could end the season with four picks, four sacks, uh, I don't know, 60, 70 tackles and uh, double-digit pass breakups, which uh, would be a Pro Bowl season. Whether he gets a fan notoriety, that's a different question, but I definitely think his name is getting out there more than it has in the past, and so... I'm going to have to lean with Kenny Moore, one of the more underrated cornerbacks in the league, but hopefully he gets some recognition. Mike, what do you think? I, I, I had written down Kenny Moore as my second choice. My first choice is Costanzo. I think this is a year that at long last uh, the rest of the league realizes what we've seen. And this guy, while he's not a top five left tackle, he's a top 10 left tackle. And hopefully, finally, he'll get his just due and, and, and make that trip to the Pro Bowl if there's a Pro Bowl. Amen. Let's hope there is a Pro Bowl. Let's hope we get there. I told real. you he'd pick a stance. So. Of course. And, and I'm <laughs> not surprised by that. We've talked about it a ton uh, over the past couple uh, months, just his value to this team. And he's a great pick. Both of those are great picks. And I think if you had it, like those two would probably get the biggest, uh, like the most votes. If we po- po- posted this to Colts nation, well, first time Pro Bowl or those two. I may, would probably, put, I may put, I may put that out there today just to kind of see. That's, a, that's an interesting question. Might do that. Except people might not vote for Anthony Costanzo just because for some reason Colts fans don't like him as much as they should. <laughs> for whatever, like I said, for whatever reason, because they're, they're ridiculous and, and they don't know what they're talking about. But anyway, that, that's, that's Except the, for people listening to the show. Exactly. You guys are yeah, you're, you're all educated <laughs> in this. You, you know what the deal is, but um, I, I think that there are there are a bunch of other players that are kind of that are in the mix. Uh, Marlon Mack could be in the mix for sure. Um, just I think that the Jonathan Taylor addition really does decrease his value to to make the Pro Bowl. 
it'd be tough to get there. One of those two guys would have to separate. Right. And, or somebody would have to get injured or something like that. Um, like you never know with punters and kickers, you know, Rigo, uh, Sanchez, Chase McLaughlin or Rodrigo Blankenship. If you have a high scoring season, the kicker could certainly work his way in there. Uh, and Rodrigo, uh, I mean, Rigo Sanchez has had, had a good couple seasons. So he, he's certainly, I don't think he's unlikely to make the pro bowl. I, I think that's, that's one that could, could happen. There, there were two that I was going back and forth on to, to kind of get one that was off the beaten path. One was Kamoko Ture. Okay. If he goes out and has a 10 sack season, Hey, that, that'll shine the spotlight on him. But I, I eventually settled on Trey Burton. What? I, I know. I, I know, I know, I know, but hang on a second. Mike's face. <laughs> yeah, Mike, Mike's he's, not, he's not. A, I've got a list of 40 players. And he's not one of them. Well, <laughs> yeah, Mike's looking at me like I have three heads right now. And here's my explanation. OK, you, you look at the who makes the Pro Bowl and you you figure you get three tight ends. Um, Jason and uh, not Jason uh, Kelsey, Travis. Tra- Travis Kelsey, the other Kelsey is probably going to be one of them. Mark Andrews from Baltimore, probably going to be another. After that, I think it's a pretty wide open group in the AFC. And if, if you if you get seven or eight touchdowns as a tight end, even if you only catch 35 balls, that puts you up in the discussion. And I think that Trey Burden is a guy that the Colts could use in the red zone quite a bit. And Frank Reich has talked about it a lot. Nick Sirianni talked about the role that they have for him. I think that he could reach that plateau in touchdowns. He could steal some other touchdowns away if Paris Campbell gets tackled on the eight yard line after, you know, a 35 yard catch and run. You know what I'm saying? So I think I I admit, I admit this is (laughs) not one that I might necessarily this would not get great odds at in in the casino or you would get really long odds on Trey Burton. Make a lot of money. Exactly. (laughs) If you if you believed it strongly and I think you could make some money off Trey Burton going to the Pro Bowl. But uh, I, I think, like I said, it's an off the beaten path choice, but I think it's a more likely, more likely than the odds you would get. I think that he is going to have a good year with this offense. I thought you were going to say Malik Hooker for sure. I, I was, I was just going to say, I, 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 I would, I would, if he's what the, you know, if he's what he needs to be, if if the numbers are there, like you mentioned, Joe, the four interceptions or whatever, and some forced fumbles, but he's going to stay on the field as well. But I. I he would have been like maybe my third choice and Burton would have been like, I don't know, 15. Your, your 53rd choice for the 53 guys on the <laughs> rot. Yeah. Or, or however many haven't made the pro bowl. And before. that's why Dave's going to make the money this year. He's going right. to put the house on Trey Burton. I, I can't oh wait till the end of the season. Well, like, like we've said, hopefully there is a pro bowl at the end of the year. I, I can't, I can't imagine that they would play a pro bowl. If things are like they are now, you might get selected, but I doubt they would do an unnecessary, quote unquote, unnecessary game and unnecessary travel for all these guys. I think the players would be all right with that, too. Yeah, yeah I think they would as well. I, like just getting the honor, getting the selection might be there. But um, but boy, let's all hope that, that things are a little bit better in uh, in January than they are right now and that uh, the uh, the NFL uh, makes it uh, that far. So I want to remind all Colts fans uh, here in central Indiana to watch our special uh, our Colts, uh, a Colts classic game on Saturday night on CBS four in central Indiana. It's Peyton Manning taking on the chiefs in a 2004 playoff game in Kansas city. Mike, you look back on that one and, uh, out of, out of all the, the great Colts games, we fortunately on CBS have the, got the rights to a couple of different ones to air over the next couple of weeks. But looking back on that 2004 game in Kansas city, I mean, out of the many classics, that one certainly is one of them too. 38, 31, wasn't it? Yes, that, that was that was back to back games with no punts. 
that's how good that offense was. I think they opened it up by smoking Denver and then Kansas City. And if I'm not mistaken, it was one, uh, all the great names and great players and pro bowlers and Hall of Famers that Peyton Manning threw touchdowns to. I think he threw one to Tom Lipinski that day, pulled back <laughs> out of Notre Dame. But that th- those games, you sit there and you think, boy, that was fun. And we got so used to watching those guys play at that level, that offense. It really, really, it, it's amazing. And it, it was a fun time. And then they go to New England the next week and get smoked. Well, we don't have to talk about that. We don't have to Correct. play that game. Right. <laughs> if you have any Colts or NFL relation questions you would like us on the Blue Zone to answer, you can submit those to us on Twitter. You can follow us on at Colts Blue Zone. I am Dave Griffiths. That's at Dave G underscore sports. Mike Chappell is at M Chapel 51. Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. We certainly appreciate you tuning in. If you could download and subscribe, that would really help us to this podcast. If you could leave us a comment on iTunes, that would also really help us as well. So we do thank you for listening to this first actual training camp practice discussion of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Hopefully plenty more of those to come discussing actual football over the next couple weeks after we have made it through the summer. I think pretty strongly, guys. I think we had a good summer breaking things down. So it's, it's been fun. If you haven't followed us, uh, uh, please, you can go back and 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 read up and listen up and uh, listen to uh, – uh, everything that we anticipate. I'm sure you can learn about how Joe hates running backs. You can learn more about how Mike Chapel hates guards. You can learn how much uh, I love Syracuse University, but uh, really that that goes without saying. Nevertheless, uh, we're, we're just all once again disappointed. Kendall Coleman is no longer on the team. At least As you I, have the Syracuse mask. In your I do. Hand. I've got my, my mask was, it was made for me by my aunt. Like my, my wife's, Aww. my wife's aunt actually uh, made, made these uh, for me. So it's been, been my favorites, my go-to. So, Staying, staying washed, of course, from time to okay. time as well. Don't, don't, don't you worry about that. <laughs> fear not. But this has been the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Thank you so much for listening and hope you tune in next time.